have what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is vision challenges turned into visible success. Now, to, to talk with me about vision challenges turned into visible, visible success, my guest is Melanie Cooper. Now, Melanie was my guest on Family Caregivers Unite some months back. I'd read a newspaper report about her ideas for a center to help people who've had experiences like hers. She spoke to us about her plans for the center, which she was on the point of starting. Now the center is up and running. And what's more, I've attended one of the classes. It was a practical lesson for people with various health-related disabilities. Melanie put me in a wheelchair and taught me how to make cookies. Now, from this experience and from watching my classmates, I learned things I'd never thought about. And all in all, it was an exhilarating experience. Now, Melanie. Melanie is the first legally blind teacher to graduate in Ontario. She holds a Bachelor's of Education, um, an Ontario Teaching Qualifications, and a Bachelor of Arts degree. She's the founder and director of the Connect, Learning Center. The center develops and provides programs for people with health conditions associated with disabilities who want to develop life skills and achieve, indep- achieve independence. The conditions that the center deals with include developmental disorder, stroke, cerebral palsy, and visual impairment. Melanie combines extensive teaching personal life experience, and a passion to help others. She and her team provide the center's clients with practical approaches to reach their goals, no matter their challenges or life cycle stage. The center's programs focus on daily living skills, employability, financial considerations, and social skills. And it advocates for the highest quality services that empower individuals with disabilities to maximize their employment, their independence, and their full inclusion into society. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Hi, Gordon. Thank you so much for having me. 
You're very welcome. Now, first question. Please tell us more about your career and your own experience with health-related challenges and the role of family caregiving in your life. Okay. Well, at the age of 21, I suffered a massive stroke while I was in my fourth year of university. Um, Of course, that was life-altering. It left me completely paralyzed and legally blind. So I had to learn everything from scratch again. As you can imagine, I became dependent on everybody around me, and my mom became my sole caregiver. Um, I spent months in the hospital trying to, you know, get stabilized, and then, of course, rehabilitation, learning to walk and do everything all over again. Um, Each step of the way, having family support, and um, it was wonderful and helped me get through each day. But along the ways. I had been independent all my life, and having to have, be dependent on people it was a huge uh, change for me. So, therefore, once I went home after the hospitals and continued my physiotherapy, and my mom was my caregiver, I kept thinking, there's got to be more, there has to be more. And um, I was lucky enough to find a program through the Canadian National Institute for the Blind that taught me the life skills to help me get independent. Um, and I did many jobs, um, whether it was uh, teaching or working for um, various organizations, but nothing really feeling that void of giving back to people. Right. In other words, independence was something you sought after, but it was independence based on giving something back to people who travel or who are traveling the same road that you traveled. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. It's so important because I know how much I struggled with it. I just wanted to help people realize that, yes, in fact, you can do it. Um, So many people are quick to say after a disability or a health condition, oh, you should just give up and stay home and that's all. Um, You know, poor you and, you know, you have that choice, of course. And my choice was, no, there's more to life and I have to find it. And so because I've been through it and I've struggled through all the challenges, I now know what I think is the solutions, and I want to help others find those solutions. Right, and those those are things we're going to be talking about. But first, what gave you the idea for the Connect Learning Center? Um, After doing um, some teaching with individuals with disability and hearing people with various disabilities and health conditions tell me over and over again, I want to be independent, and then doing research in um, the Peel region where we're located, knowing there's not any services that actually teach life skills to be independent. You know, a lot of programs have wonderful services, um, but whether they have a well-long waiting list or um, that it's not focusing on individualized needs, it's more of a group setting, uh, there wasn't anything that existed like Connect Learning Center. And I know that the program I attended um, is now only available in Toronto. So I thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity to provide these services for individuals that are in need in the Peel region. Do you think the, the gap you've just identified, is, that is the lack of the kind of services that the Connect Learning Centre is providing, do you think that gap exists elsewhere, you know, in Ontario, in Canada, in the U.S., places oh. like that? What do you think? Most definitely. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realize that those gaps there, you know, because they provide such excellent services. But the people that need the services 
don't know who to turn to to say, hey, well, what about this or what about that? Because nobody really offers the information. So I'm sure it's all throughout Ontario, Canada, and the U.S. Let me, I've mentioned my exhilarating experience as being uh, on one of your classes. And what struck me particularly were here were people with actual disabilities who were like me, um, enacting a, a sort of disability. So there was a double challenge. They were people who were already facing a challenge of disability, but yet here you were saying, put your arm in a sling, so now you can only use one arm. That was what particularly struck me. So is this idea that you have for the center basically one of equipping people to cope with the life of the ordinary person who is wanting to be independent and is wanting to move ahead. Uh, am I, have I got it right when I say that? Well, well we, what we did with you, Gordon, and some of the other service providers that were attending on that day was to simulate a disability for a short period of time so that you could get the full effect of what we offer our clients. Of course, we'd never make our clients who already have challenges and endure other challenges. But we want to give everybody that experience so that they can really truly understand it as well as um, help provide the support and knowledge and the little tricks of the trade for those that have challenges of, you know what, yes, you do have a challenge, but it's not the end of the world. This is how you can cope with it, and look at what you can accomplish. Yeah. So that seems to me that you were also teaching us um, how to use things, devices, and that kind of um support to do the things that our disability um, prevented us from doing or made difficult difficulties for us. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Again, people don't offer information, and I think that's probably because they don't realize that people like myself that only have use of one hand may value, really need the information about a one-handed cutting board or a one-handed peeler or opener, things that People take for granted, oh, yeah, I can do that, no problem. Well, when you're faced with a challenge of only being able to use one hand or not be able to see, there are these gadgets and different devices that are available. But unless you know they exist, then you're not going to utilize them. So we want to show our clients and our families and caregivers that these things exist, and then we connect them with the people who sell them. Right. We will be talking about sort of the resourcing of this sort of thing, but just a quick question here. These devices cost money. Um, do, are there any sort of facilities, any availabilities of funding to help people with these devices, or are people completely on their own? Well, that's a very good question, and there is a lot of different funding opportunities that are available. Again, not a lot of people share this information, so that's part of what I do on a daily basis is connect my families and care, caregivers and clients with the funding information that's available to them so that they can utilize it and um, get the different devices and um, possibly even programming that they weren't aware that they were entitled to. Let me just ask about family caregivers because mm -hmm. at least one member of the class um, who really was a family caregiver was talking about some of the challenges she faces. So at this particular point, 
you know, when people are in this kind of training you're talking about, what sort of interaction, if any, do you have with family caregivers? Oh, actually a lot from the very beginning. When the family comes to us um, for the initial intake, I talk to both the client and, because obviously it's their program, and the family to see what their goals are and their expectations so that we're all on the same page. Um, as our clients go through, we keep the families in the loop, and I find a lot of family and caregivers are not getting the support that they're looking for and necessary from other programs, so I try to include them as much as I can because I know what my mom went through um, being my caregiver and connecting them with support groups that, that are out in their communities or with other caregivers so that they know and just letting them know that they're not alone and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So that's a huge part of my, my program as well. Just a quick bit of feedback on things I've learned from Family Caregivers Unite. Many, many people, Melanie, have said to me on air, um, when this situation, whatever it was, first hit us, I had no idea, that's the family caregivers speaking, where to go for help. I hadn't been trained. I wasn't expecting this. This was something really quite new. And one of the things that comes out of that is that other family caregivers, and you've mentioned this, were particularly helpful having had more experience than, let's call them, the newbie family caregivers. Is that something that you also find? Oh, definitely. And I think from doing some of these uh, workshops, what I've noticed is there is a huge need for the caregivers to have the opportunity just to talk to one another. Um, So that's what we've been trying to do is start to coordinate some workshops for caregivers so that they not only have the opportunity to experience what their loved ones are going through, but just even to vent and talk and share similar stories. Yeah, because one of the challenges, um, as you know, to family caregivers is that um, in working very hard, because they do, and many of them are doing jobs to create the revenue that the family needs, but are also um, serving duty, and I call it that, as a family caregiver, they, they become tired, their health suffers, and they are stressed. And so that sense that they're not alone, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying, That's um, right. is, very, is a very, very important message. And as I say, we're going to come back to some of these things in a little bit more detail. Now, um, we're going to go into a break now. But uh, what I want to say to our family caregivers is, is that you will hear um, in the break um, telephone numbers or um, um, email addresses where you can connect with Uh, the program and through the program to Melanie if you would like to know more about what she's doing and if you've got ideas about getting involved in this kind of work yourself. So we're going to take the break now because it is that time for us to pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest is Melanie Cooper. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. Uh, and our guest, Melanie Cooper. Our topic is vision challenges turned into visible success. So let's now talk about, Melanie, please, the Connect Learning Center. First question then is, Please tell us about going from the startup to getting the center up and running. Okay, so the idea came to me, I guess, to actually do it and move on it in 2009 um, in October. And I worked hard, diligently, um, just preparing a business plan and putting every, all my thoughts on paper because it was all in my head. Oh, this would be a great idea. And I set myself the deadline of July 2010. And everybody thought I was crazy. They said, there's no way you're going to be up and running because my goal was to have a center with clients and being you know, fully staffed and have a program developed by that point. Everybody thought I was crazy, but I did it. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, a lot of hours put into it, a lot of research, um, starting from what's available, what are the needs, doing a needs assessment, finding out what exactly I was need to find the perfect location because I knew that I wanted to be spacious so that people with wheelchairs, walkers, canes, um, vision loss, whatever it may be, could get along around easily. And I wanted it to be inviting, but also practical. I knew I needed a kitchen and a full, fully functioning laundry, things that perhaps weren't going to be easy to find. So finding a location took quite a little bit of time, you know, with all the bylaws and whatnot. You had to make sure that it, it was proper and, so of course, something that was affordable for the rent. And um, so not only was I doing the program development at home, but I was out looking for a location. And when I found the place, it was 
it was a just bare minimum. It was just an empty space, and the fact that I was able to envision what it would look like was very fascinating. And I had some great support from my family and my friends, and um, they just kept encouraging me, even though they thought I was nuts and that I was overdoing it because, you know, of course, everything goes back to, oh, you're going to, you know, ha- you know, my past with the stroke, oh, you're going to overdo it, you're going to have another stroke. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm determined. I'm positive. I just want to make a difference. So I started by um, putting some basic advertisement out that I was going to be opening a program and, you know, connecting with people that I had spoken to over the years and uh, developing some new relationships within the community. Um, I was very fortunate enough to have an excellent construction team that helped me out, and we put it together and um, had the grand opening in July, uh, sorry, the end of June, and my first client started uh, the second week of July. It's pretty amazing. We started with one client, and now we have 17. Fabulous. Now, I can say, having been there, Melanie, and seen it and, and sat in it and ridden a wheelchair around in it, it's all of those things that you wanted it to be. So that's, that's my view of it. I think it's superb. Now, another quick question. There are a lot of questions about all of this, but you're really a social entrepreneur, aren't you? You're like, a, you're like someone setting up their own store, setting up their own business, doing all this planning, going through the headaches, making sure they're in the right district, all that kind of thing. The only difference between you and them is you're doing it for a social purpose, um, but you're still building a business that's got to pay for itself in some way. That's right, isn't it? That is right. And it's very unique in the sense that um, we're not for profit, so we're not out to make money like as if it was a store we're selling a product. And that's where, you know, it can be challenging at times. But I had to make all these connections in the business community as well as with community agencies um, so that they people know that we exist. And then, of course, you know, marketing and developing a website and all the stuff that I knew absolutely nothing about because, of course, my background is teaching. All I know is that I know how to teach and I know about disability and I wanted to help people. So I've had a very fast, hard lesson the last year about business and what to do and what not to do and what works and what doesn't. And, you know, it's been an ongoing road that has many bumps and challenges in it, but you kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off and go, okay, that didn't work, so what's next? Right, absolutely. Now tell us, please, about the services that the center provides. The, the services? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. So our program is very individualized. So if a client comes to me and says, I want to learn this, this, and this, this. So these these things are life skills. So we offer anything from cooking, cleaning, laundry skills, um, to basic literacy and math, um, money skills. And that can be as simple and basic as money identification right through up to budgeting and doing finances and how, how do, do I make sure I can pay my bills on time um, to saving, that sort of thing, as well as social skills. Um, now, I knew social skills was very important, obviously, and how to, you know, act after a disability, being about advocating, being able to speak up for yourself, and appropriate behavior, what's effective, what's not, and then, in turn, that would help out with employability and whatever their next steps are. But what I didn't realize was all of the other social skills that go along with that. And what I mean by that is some of our clients with developmental disabilities, you know, may come in and have behaviors that may not be acceptable or they may say that 
oh, I want to do this, or I want to use the computer, I want to go on Facebook or whatever the social medias are, and they'd be giving out their personal information. I'm like, uh-oh, okay, we need to start at the basics, okay. And, you know, talking about bullying and things like that. And so that just becomes incorporated in the program on a daily basis. So it's really evolved from those basic skills. But in a sense, it's individualized. Um, we have clients anywhere from 18 and over. Obviously, somebody that's coming to us with a developmental disability has totally different needs than somebody that's had a stroke. And that's where we tailor-make the program and our clients will choose what areas they want to focus on. And just because they choose those areas at the beginning doesn't mean they can't change and evolve as time goes by. Right. I'd like you to tell us some of the success stories of the people who come to you so we get a picture of the people who, the actual people who use these services. Sure. That'd be great. I'm going to talk about one of my clients that, you know, is amazing. She came to us and she couldn't tell time. She couldn't, you know, do the basics. And she spoke to me with her head down and not looking me in the eye. Now she walks around with such confidence. She can tell time. She's telling me she's going to be independent. She's going to move out on her own. And just seeing that transformation of how wonderful she has come in such a short time period and just the smile on her face, that just shows me so much. And then I have stroke survivors who came to me with... um, aphasia, where they had difficulty speaking, and uh, we just worked with them on that and helped them, you know, build up their confidence because we're in a very, you know, personable um, environment where they feel safe and they can practice, and if they make a mistake, they're not going to be ridiculed or chastised for it. They're going to just, we're just going to encourage them to keep trying, and now she has a conversation, and she's given us trouble, and she's telling us what we should be doing, which is wonderful to see. Yeah. This is a sort of a question from one side, and that is, you've not used the word rehabilitation or rehab. Nothing wrong with the word, but my sense is that what you're doing, uh, this is a question, may appear to you to be somewhat different from what we normally understand by rehab. Is that right? That or have I got it wrong? No, that's absolutely correct. We're this an extension of rehab. So clients that come to us, I'll just use, for example, a stroke, have already gone through the rehab stages in the sense of learning to walk. Now, we don't have physiotherapists or occupational therapists on staff. We don't have all of those qualified um, doctors. We are an extension. So once they've gone through all the physical and occupational rehab, the life skills, the practicing, the learning about what's available to them, that's after rehab. So we are not rehabilitation. It is, in a way, a form of rehabilitation, but in a more sense of, you know, gaining confidence and self-esteem, that sort of thing, and then helping them connect to all the next steps, like what do I do with my life after a stroke or after an illness or, you know, in a lot of cases with our clients with developmental disabilities, they've graduated from high school, so they've had all of their training for education in the school systems, but yet there's still there's a, some skills that still need work on or practice, and that's where we come in. We're an extension of that. It's almost as though, and I'm not being in any way negative when I say this, that um, the healthcare profession, the doctors, the physios, the OTs, and all those good people kind of get your body back to where it can be, the best it can be, but what you're doing is getting back people back into their lives, 
the community and enabling them to go forward so they make the best possible use of, in the best sense, of all the skills, all the abilities they've actually got. Have I got that right? That's absolutely right, Gordon. And, you know, I could never do what all the doctors and physios and occupational therapists do because I know they worked wonders with me and they've got patients of saints. However, um, what I found was there was that lack of that gap, again, of the continued support after you go home from those facilities. And that's exactly what I want to help them do is say, you're not alone, you can still work on these skills, and I can help you provide um, those connections to helping you connect with the community because that's an overwhelming, scary feeling when you feel so isolated and alone. Where do I go for help? And it's particularly difficult at this time when jobs aren't easy to come by and uh, everybody's under a lot of pressure. Now, just a quick question because we're going to be going into our break now, but when I was welcomed into your center, I think I was, I was introduced to the group by someone who may have been a client um, in the sense of a trainee or someone on, on your program. Am I right about that? that that's right, yes. Yeah. As part of what we're teaching our clients, um, I, I do believe it was a client with a developmental disability, is proper introduction skills, introducing yourself properly, appropriately, making people feel welcome. And then we have them practice that. So whenever somebody comes to the center, we want to make sure that they a, are mindful that somebody strange is coming into the facility, but how do we welcome them to make them feel at home and to show them around? Because they're very proud of their center. That came across very clearly to me. It was a bit like going into a very posh restaurant. You know this person called the maitre d' welcoming me and showing me to the table. Uh, it was that sense of, you're coming here, uh, we're very pleased to see you, we've got a great service for you, please follow me, and it was wonderful. So um, I think you know who the, the person is that I'm talking about. Yes. I would just like <laughs> to convey my congratulations. That would be wonderful. I think uh, I will definitely do that. Thanks. Now, uh, it is time for the break. As mm -hmm. I'm always saying, um, this, ha this is the spot at which we um, pay the rent. So, this is Dr. Gordon Avalie, and my guest is Melanie Cooper. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned, because we will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. The Marsh Engel Show. 
Join the movement to empower yourself with the essentials of feminine power and success and learn how women around the world are becoming more inspired, more influential, and absolutely amazing. Each week, Marsh sits down for an engaging conversation with women who are boldly committed to living their most amazing life. You'll discover ways to step into your greatest vision, deepen your relationships, and unleash your real creative brilliance. Get ready. It's time to jump into the conversation. That's Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for The Marsh Engel Show on the Voice America Business Network. Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark, Paul Fresh Clark, and Lester Scudder Davis as they bring you sportsmanlike conduct. As a current player, Des Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. His co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program, to say the least. Sportsmanlike conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and my guest, Melanie Cooper. Our topic is a vision challenges turned into visible success. Melanie, now let's talk about the work of the center and the people who work with you. Um, Tell us about those people, the work they do, and their stories. Melanie, please. Okay, great. Um, I have a staff of, there's five of us in total, and that includes, um, we have our program trainers, and they actually do the teaching with the clients, so they help, they work with me to develop the program in the areas that we're going to uh, tackle with their clients. We have an amazing administrator, all of my staff are amazing, I just wanted to preface that, um, um, and she does, she wears many hats. She does, you know, all the office administration, but she's also quite involved in making sure the safety of the clients, you know, the meeting, the greeting, as well as she's actually taken on some teaching recently. We have some supply teachers, but we also have some really amazing partnerships with some community agencies. Um, we have um, a great um, relationship with uh, Shirley Edwards, who is our, our life coach, and she's a caregiver coach, in fact. And she's taught us so much, and she does a lot of workshops for our clients, and actually she helped it with the one that you attended, Gordon. She's fabulous, and she's quite an advocate for us, which is wonderful. And we've also worked with Recreational Respite, another organization, um, Amy McFarlane, and she is fantastic as well. And she, you know, these two are also entrepreneurs that have taught me a lot along the way. But so not only are they helping me, but they're helping the clients at the center, uh, whether it's with um, learning about themselves or even uh, Recreational Respite has a program through them, Rec Rider, that helps provide transportation for our clients. So it's fantastic the partnerships that you make along the way. How do you come get into in touch with 
the people whom you form partnerships with or the people who come and join you in whatever capacity to work with you. Where do you get them from, in other words? <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, I put from my staff, I advertised on uh, Charity Village, which is um, a not-for-profit um, a website that puts job placements. So that's how I found my staff. As far as the partners, um, just, again, with the research that I'm doing and people hearing through the grapevine about what I'm doing, they contacted me. And it's really quite amazing, all of the business networking that um, I joined them as a board of trade and different things and agencies, just to find out a bit more about what's out there in my community. So research really has got me a long way. And then I make a lot of cold calls and just say, hi, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. Um, are you interested in possibly, you know, learning more, come for a visit and then sitting down and just talking to them. And once they hear what we're doing, it's, you know, it's kind of infectious in the sense that everybody wants to be a part of it, which is wonderful. Fabulous. Now, I want to ask you about the challenges you've experienced and overcome in founding and directing the center. What are the challenges, Melanie? Well, there's been a couple. Um, one of them is learning how to divide my time proper, properly, not overdoing it, um, because I want to do. I was doing work 24 hours a day, <laughs> and realistically, I have to have a life. And so, finding a healthy balance was challenging. Um, getting the word out there that we exist has also been a huge challenge. Um, like I said, we've developed a web page. We did um, an email newsletter, um, getting um, an ad mail campaign, and just really going out and doing a lot of in-services. And what I mean by that is going to different community agencies and programs and talking about Connect Learning Center and the services that we provide. Connecting with the right people so that the word gets spread. It's not always easy because some Different people feel that, you know, A, we may be competitive with what they're doing, or B, uh, may, oh, you're just new, you don't know what you're doing just yet. Um, so, But, you know, over time, people are starting to talk more about Connect Learning Center, and the word is getting out there. So that would be one of my major overcome, overcoming challenges, I think. So really, you're the chief uh, salesperson, sales rep. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, now, different question, different type of question. In the work you do, what are the things that cause the sun to shine for you and for the people who work at the center? Melanie? Well, I think, you know, it is just seeing the little, you know, accomplishments. They're not little. They're huge for our clients. You know, when somebody walks in and they're a certain way, whether it's they're all almost giving up on life itself because they just don't know where else to turn. And then seeing them a month or two later, and they've got a completely different outlook. Hey, I can do this. That is huge. Um, walking into the center when it's, you know, full of people and it's buzzing and everybody's having fun and laughing, and that just makes, I get goosebumps every day. It's just a great feeling. And then finally seeing clients when they've, finally reach their goals, going out into the community and actually seeing them succeed. It's just so overwhelming and just so gratifying and just so proud of all of my clients and my staff. And I think, you know, everybody that works at CLC loves to be there and loves coming in, and it's just a great environment to work in. So, I guess, because you're a teacher by, by background and training, mm -hmm. I guess it's like seeing your class graduate and move on 
whatever it is they're going to move on to with sort of success behind them. And I'm sure that teachers feel very proud of that in just the same way that this, these kind of moving on, moving into life, moving forward that you create causes the sunshine, the sun to shine for you. Is that right? That is right. It is so. It's, it's right. You know, we don't per se have a graduation because we always want the service to be available for our clients to come back to if they ever require it. But it is exactly that. I know that we've had um, a couple of clients move on to employment programs after finishing ours, and that, that's huge because now they're moving on to the next step in their life. And when they came to us, they weren't necessarily sure that's what they were, you know, going towards. But after discovering that they can do what they've been told for so long they couldn't do, then it became a, you know, a reality for them. Right. Now, please tell us some more about the support you get from the community. You know, you're out there, the chief sales rep. What's, what's the sort of support you get from the community, and what parts of the community does it come from? Um, well, a lot of the community agencies and the hospitals um, have been really great at referring clientele to our program, which is key because with our clients, we wouldn't exist. Um, and so they've been wonderful. Um, so, and some of the businesses have been fantastic with um, making donations for our different fundraising events and just really helping spread the word. Um, the families have been great uh, networkers for us, as well as our clients, you know, getting the word out there. And then again, with the partners that I've developed with Amy and Shirley and other people like them, they start to advocate for us and say, you know, did you hear about this program? And so it just becomes, you know, like that tel the telephone game, you know, so somebody tells somebody and then they tell their friends and so on and so on. Um, as long as the, the message is the same where it starts, then we're good. <laughs> In other words, voice of, um, word of mouth exactly. is important, isn't it, for you? Um, that it. That is the informality of the way that people in communities talk with each other, particularly, you know, family caregivers, when they are saying to, the, saying to each other, well, what kind of experience did you have? And they come back with a story like you've been telling us, then they know where to go to pick up the phone. And That's right. Right. But that's, in one sense, it's free advertising, but in another, it's not, because it, First of all, you need to deliver the quality and caliber of services you do offer. You need to be successful in that way. But also, you need to make sure that, and I think you've already said this, that the word of mouth that's going around is, mm -hmm. is kind of accurate in the sense that it portrays really what your center does. Right. Now, just to get back into the nitty-gritty, um, support from the community, do you actually get funds? donated to you from the community? We, you know, this is where it's challenging because um, we, were, we started up with a donation of some funds, which was wonderful, that helped us, you know, get this, this center established. Um, and we do ongoing fundraising events so that we can keep it up. And we do charge a nominal fee for our clients to attend, which they can use their government funding to attend, but we don't have any funding from um, the government or any um, other thing as of yet because you have to prove yourself for a year before you can get any of this funding. So it is a struggle because, you know, we're trying to make ends meet, but that's being a not-for-profit and we just want to put anything that we 
do get in from client fees into the operation so that we can have the groceries that they're cooking and the supplies that they use. And, you know, so it, it has been tough because we do have salaries to pay. Um, but that's why we keep doing different fundraisers so that hopefully we'll hit all the right areas of people so there's something for everybody. It's a lot of extra work, but, you know, until we get established and known well by the government and the different, and they see there's such a need for this program, uh, hopefully someday we will get the funding that we are really looking for. Yeah, that's the kind of stable funding that you need. That's right, yes. Yeah, I fully understand that, so that you can concentrate on the services you provide. Right. Now, just a quick one. Have you had much to do with any of the charitable organizations, that is the true charities that work in society, doing things that parallel yours or that go end on to the services that you do. Have you had much communication with those kinds of organizations? I have partnered with a lot of them in the sense of getting the word out there, and they have been referring some of their clients to us because, again, a lot of the wonderful agencies and the charities that are in the Peel region do wonderful stuff, but there's nothing that's center-based. So, for example, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, who helped me, you know, establish my life really after my stroke, they were phenomenal, but they do a lot of services in the home, and it's for a few hours a week, whereas we do the center-based approach, and it's five days a week, so they can practice these skills on an ongoing basis. So we've had them refer people to us, um, and also just, you know, connecting with them and sharing information. I know that I have a lot of links to different charities and organizations on our website because, again, I'm all about connecting my clients and people, caregivers, um, with information and other programs and services that exist because I think that's very important. Um, but that's pretty much it. Um, the March of Dimes has also been good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. But, again, because we're new and we're small compared in comparison to these charities, um, everybody are, you know, quick to say, oh, yeah, yeah, they, we don't really know about Connect Learning Center, so this is where I'm still trying to improve that connection. Again, it's getting the message out, isn't it? Again, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, a very interesting kind of world, that world of charity, because um, it ranges from individuals, family caregivers, who themselves are volunteering to do work, um, or who are providing services of an advisory kind, you know, that is experience-based services, or who are setting up their own websites, their Facebook entries, and making connection with others. And sometimes they involve themselves in the politics of sort of uh, advocacy for the position of the family caregiver or something. And so in that sense, um, it becomes uh, very much an exercise in public relations, getting through a particular to a particular audience, and this is the audience of the world of charity, mm-hmm. and um, they are very effective, I've found, um, in the way I've talked to them, in the sense that they, like you, are non-profits, but <laughs> they're very, very good at managing money, because they have to be, for exactly the reason that you said, they have a salaries to pay, they have a payroll to meet, and if they don't have money, they can't meet the payroll. Um, and that's a good piece of, I sound like a, a capitalist, don't I? That's a very strong and powerful discipline that I think um, keeps the charitable center going, and I sense that it's keeping you going. Now, we're back at the talking of uh, finances and all the rest of it. We're back at break time. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Melanie Cooper. 
You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America channel. Please stay tuned and we will be back with some interesting things about the future. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Total career success. What does it mean to you? World Talk Radio presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on World Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Melanie Cooper. Our topic is vision challenges turned into visible success. Melanie, now I want us to talk about the future. Please tell us about the challenges you now face 
that need resolving so the center can grow and flourish? What are those challenges? Okay, similar to what we were speaking to before is uh, obviously funding, securing funding, ma- making those connections with corporate sponsors, as well as um, ultimately getting the word out there to help as many people as we can. So again, back to the word of mouth and just you know creating credibility for our center, which I think we've uh, well on our way to doing, and just uh, getting out there and letting families know that we exist. So, you know, it kind of all encompasses, but the funding, you know, is going to keep us going, and that's ideally what we're going to be focusing on. And it's challenging because, you know, again, you know, we can't say, okay, we're going to make X amount of dollars each year to insure because, you know, for people that may want to invest in us, oh, yeah, we're going to be selling this many products because it is such a unique service. So, you know, trying to find what the perfect funding solution for us is and, um, you know, of course, the more clients that come through, the more people we can help, that's going to keep us going, but ultimately um, to find ourselves in a position where we are funded so that we can just focus on the service aspect, and it would be nice to be able to do that instead of having to focus on how we're going to get the funding, how we're going to do this, this, and trying to do all sorts of areas instead of just on the program itself. My program trainers have been wonderful in that sense, and they focus on that for me, but um, for myself, it's, you know, one area to another to another, and I'd just love to be able to really get in there and be hands-on more so than doing the business aspect, although I love that as well. Right. Technical question now. Are you a, is the center a registered charity? No, we are not a registered charity as of yet. We are looking at that as well um, because, again, it, we've been now registered as a not-for-profit for a full year, Um um, we haven't been open for a full year, but we've been registered as a not-for-profit for a full year. And um, we wanted to make sure that, A, there was still the need for the service before, you, because there is obviously lots of legal aspects to being a charity in Canada. So that is something we're definitely going to be exploring in the next six months. Right. Um, and, of course, that becomes the thing with a charity. You can, of course, give the, the charitable tax receipts, and at this stage I can't do that. So that's where we found a little bit of difficulties with people giving donations. You know, some people are wonderful, and they still do, and they don't, they're don't. they not looking for anything in return. But let's face it, at the end of the day, everybody would like to have those tax receipts, so that is definitely a benefit. Sure. Good luck with whatever you choose on that one. Oh, thank Good you. luck to you, because that, that's an important decision. Mm-hmm. Now, you've talked about what you need, and we're focused on money. So where, what's your best guess of where this help, funding help you need will actually come from? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've explored the idea of partnering with other organizations, but then because Connect Learning Center is so unique and so individualized, I don't want to lose that sense. So we don't want to lose our identity, but at the same day, we at the same time, we want to be, you know, sustainable. So it's trying to find our standing on our own two feet and saying this is what we want to do, but also tying into funding perhaps through um, organizations like Trillium Foundation or some of the health uh, networks that are um, available, um, some of the community and social services, um, government funding is also something we've been exploring. So, um, But personal and corporate sponsorship is also an area that we're open to. Anything that's going to help provide these vital services to the clients. Right. Now, we're running out, unfortunately, out of time, as always happens. But I just want to... Um, confirm something that you and I have already spoken about, and that mm-hmm. is 
that you are interested in encouraging others to set up their own contact learning centers. Is that right? That is absolutely right. Um, we've trying to create a program in a box so that we can help more people in the community because there seems to be people calling from all over Ontario saying, I need help, but they can't get to Mississauga where we are. So there is definitely a need. So this is something that's in the works, again, is putting everything on paper in a format that will be easy for other people to do it in their own communities. Um, that way it can be just help more people out there. Right. And I take it, um, just a quick yes or no to this, You'll be also interested in hearing from people in the U.S. as well. Most definitely. Absolutely. There's definitely a need in the U.S. as well. Okay. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time. I um, want to say thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with any questions or advice or comments you've got for Melanie. I want to say thank you to Melanie for sharing, us, sharing with us this story, which is an ongoing story. And I know I'm speaking for everybody when I say all success to you because what you're doing is filling a gap which is vitally important, which is getting people back from their state that they're in into an active, productive, happy, successful and fulfilling life. And I can think of few things that are better than that, Melanie. So, as I've threatened you already, I'm going to be inviting you back again in a few months to talk on Family Caregivers Unite to tell us the next stage of your evolution. So, all success to you. Now, in our next episode, um, we're going to be talking about more about ways in which family caregivers are helped in providing the support they do. So please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.